Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with Michael Zuber. Michael, how are you doing today? Why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. Uh, I will. So uh, I'm a I'm the boring guy, right? I'm the uh, buy and hold landlord and I've uh, been doing this for for 15 years or so, but uh, I think what the, the audience would like to hear about is, is I rode this wave uh, from a single rental house. 15 years ago uh, through the most uh, interesting real estate cycle we've ever had and came out the other side with 175 rental doors and, and financially free and and retired on uh, on March 16th. So now it's time for me to give back and that's why I reached out to you knowing you have such a great listener base and said, you know what, I, I got to see if this guy wants to talk to me. <laughs> hey, well, first of all, let me congratulate you on retiring. That is fantastic. Insert Thank applause. You. Um, and, and the second thing is, is you're definitely not the boring guy. You're, you're what everybody wants to be. Okay. So, uh, that is, that is an awesome accomplishment. So, uh, let's, I guess let's go back 15 years ago. So you had one rental property. Uh, what, what did you do from there to get you to where you are today? I guess there was kind of multiple phases and we'll sort of walk through them and and you, you, you take me where you want to go, RJ. All right. So 15 years ago, really the first, let's call it 12 to 18 months, we were uh, we were just buying single family homes, right? It was, uh, if you can rewind the clock and remember what the real estate cycle was like, it was pretty much like it was today. It was a seller's market. It was appreciating. Now, as we went forward, it was obviously appreciating at an unhealthy clip. But when I started, it was, you know, single digits, kind of kind of nice, just, just like today. Uh, so we got to a point about five or six properties, five houses and a single duplex, when we started to notice that the real estate market was getting out of control because we couldn't really afford or our models just wouldn't work. Right. So this is 2007, 2008. Um, and we had a choice. That was the first choice we had. I, I think real estate tests you all the time. And there's all these little off ramps that people could fall for. And I think that was our first test. You know, do we... Do we continue to buy even though we don't think things work? Do we just stop and, you know, because the market's crazy or, or do we do something else? And we actually, um, we chose to do something else. So the first decision point for us um, when we had those six units were to do a 1031 exchange. So if you think about it, we sold houses that were in hindsight overvalued mm -hmm. and took all of that equity that we were given and we 1031 them into small apartment buildings, uh, anywhere from yeah from five to, to 13 units. Wow. So yeah, so for about, I think that took about 12 months, maybe 14 months. But in, in essence, we went from from six properties, seven doors to to, to over 60. And um, you know that was the first aha moment for us is that we used that uh, that 1031 exchange, moved the equity, no tax hit leveraged all the that to uh, to add more rent and it was crazy because if you remember 2008 we actually sold that first house we bought for 263 
and it rented for the same um, 1095 when that we started, you know, when we bought it. And we bought a five unit building for 223. <laughs> so, so 40 grand less that rented for $2,000 more. Wow. And I thought I, I, I thought something was broken. And, and the fact is that five unit buildings are commercial and they, they're on different commercial structures and all that funny financing of 2008 was on one through four units. And, you know, I can see it clearly now in hindsight, but when we started, it was like, you know, I don't know what we're doing. I just, I just know I can't buy any houses, so we might as well go somewhere else. And yeah, <laughs> that's so that's, wild. that was, yeah, that was the first thing we did that uh, turned out to be an off ramp that we didn't take and we, we moved our equity and just kept, kept going forward. So for everybody that's listening, what market are you buying these houses in? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I live in Silicon Valley. However, I invest in the Central Valley. So Fresno, Madera. Okay. It's about, about three hours uh, from where I live. I, I have a saying, you know, live where you want and invest where the money makes sense. Yes. So that, that makes sense. The Fresno market makes sense as an investment. The Bay Area where I live is has been stupid for a long time, and frankly, today is insane. So yes, uh, I, I live will, here. But I will ask I'm you a couple of questions about that later on. Okay. Um, it's funny. Um, I, I did not know that you were you were investing in the Fresno market when we were talking, and you're actually the second person that um, I've had on in the Fresno market. Um, I also had Don Costa on, and mm. I don't know I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he's a, a huge rehabber um, out there. He does, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think he's trying to do like 200 flips this year in, in the Fresno market. Yeah. So uh, a small world, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't think there's that many people in the Fresno market, but somehow I found two people. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So you did the 1031 exchange. You, you increased your amount of doors mm-hmm. uh, and that was in the 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, when the market starting started to recover, what did you do then? Well, let's let's uh, you, you've actually skipped the third step. So oh, if you okay. remember, 2008 through 2011, the real estate market crashed. Right. Um, so we sat tight. I call it a pause button. It was the first real pause button we've had in our investment career uh, for about 18 months. So we didn't do any acquisitions, and then we started getting greedy. Um, I don't know about you, RJ, but I've read every every book I can find on real estate, and the ones that were written by actual investors. The one phrase that stuck with me that I never wanted to say was, I wish I bought more, right? So we right. bought everything we could, right? Any, anything from single family homes up to an 18 unit building, a couple of 10 unit commercial buildings. So we took as much advantage of the downturn as we could. And that's what got us from the 60 or 65 doors up to 175 because we, we spent two and a half years buying during, during the um, collapse, frankly. Okay. How um, were you finding those deals? So that, uh, it was. I, I wish I had some secret. They were uh, in the beginning. They were all right out of the MLS. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a real estate agent. Don't have any special access. Don't. Didn't have REO agents feeding me leads, uh, anything like that at the start. I obviously became known as a pretty decent buyer who would close on, you know, ugly property. So near the end, I was getting some some calls from from agents going, "Hey, my buyer's flaky. Would you like to close it? This is the price." And you know, sometimes we said yes. Sometimes we said no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a just uh, you know, I'm probably like a lot of your listeners. I have no special access. I don't have some secret handshake or <laughs> something. And, and in fact, I'm three hours away from the market I live in, right? Or invest in. So right. Um, 
you know, it, it takes time, patience, execution, but um, it's certainly possible. So you were finding these deals off the MLS. How were you financing them? Because I, I think that's one uh, thing that a lot of people look at this and they say, yeah, that's great, but you must have had a ton of money and yeah. and, and I don't have that much money. So how am I ever going to retire? So how were you yeah. finding ways to finance these? So, um, well, let's let's just answer that question in detail, right? So we started this downturn. We owned a bunch of real estate, right? And, and those were all financed traditional bank lending, you know. Right. Many of them were 10% down. So, you know, take that off the table. But I remember trying to go back and buy that first REO property, real estate owned or bank foreclosure, whatever, you, whatever your listeners know it as. Mm -hmm. And we tried to take it to a bank. And I kid you not, they laughed at us. <laughs> I, and here's the reason they laughed at us because I don't know if your listeners know this, but in 2009, real estate investors were the enemy. Right. Right. There was no bank that wanted to talk to you. Uh, if you own more than four, forget about it, right? They always talked about this mythical 10, forget about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and we owned a lot more than 10. So so we were out of luck. So, you know, again, it was one of those choices, right? You can either just sit on your hands, you could, you could scramble and buy cash, which means you're only going to buy one or two, or you could figure it out. So we spent a lot of time looking for what the industry calls hard money lenders. So we found a local hard money lender who would who would finance uh, at seventy percent of the purchase price, and um, that's what we did, right? So they so we had to only come up with thirty percent. And during the crash, we were buying stuff, you know, some stuff sub fifty k. So gotcha. you know, the deposits that we had, the down payments we had to come up with were actually smaller than when we started, which is kind of funny. Right. Um, so that was that way. And then that only lasted so long because you're right. We only had so much money. So we got through, I don't know, eight or nine of those over a year, 14 months, whatever it was. And then I had to come up with something else because there were still opportunities. So by this time, a lot of friends and family started to figure out what we were doing. And, you know, we, we talked about real estate all the time. And, and many of them were disappointed with what they were earning in the bank. So we ended up doing some um, – I guess it's called private money, right? Lending with friends and family. Right. Because we were taking private money from family, we wanted to be extra careful. So we, we implemented a process of buy, fix, lease, and then refi. So we would buy a property for cash, again, call it 40 grand, all of our own money. We would, uh, we would do the make ready, somewhere between eight and 15 grand on average, all our money. Uh, then we would stick a tenant in, lease it up, uh, and then we would go to a private lender, want somebody in our friend and family network, and get all of our money back. So we were able to take that, call it $50,000, and use it over and over and over again uh, because we were sticking uh, very secure first trust deeds and, and notes on these beautiful, you know, completely repaired properties. And we were we were paying 10%. So, you know, our friends and family loved it and very secure. Um that's that's how we we kept going when, when our money was running out. So when you're paying the ten percent, mm -hmm. how long are you creating those notes? Are you paying interest only, or are you also paying principal mm -hmm. on that? Good question. They are interest only in ten years. Gotcha. And then, what is your goal at the end of the ten years to refinance with a traditional bank? Was that was that what your intentions were, or or to yeah. ten thirty one exchange those? Uh, I I would say our intention was. You know, in, when we when we wrote the the papers, we were going to pay them off via bank refinance. Uh, 
Okay. Um, I think there's every chance in the world that we may sell one of our apartment buildings and take all that cash and pay, just pay them off and just own them free and clear. Right. Uh, the fact is, you know, we have options. And, yeah. um, but our plan when we did this was we were, we were like, come on, banks can't be this stingy forever. We'll, we'll eventually go back and get a bank loan and, right. you know, be happy. So, so I mean, basically what you're doing, what you were doing back then mm-hmm. is similar to what, say, someone in my position does today. Mm-hmm. Um, I will take either a hard money loan or a private money loan to purchase mm-hmm. rehab. Mm-hmm. then get the tenant in place, and then I refinance out with the traditional bank. And mm-hmm. and that's because today the banks are now more relaxed than they were mm-hmm. back then. We're, we're no yeah. longer the enemy at this yeah. point. You're um, right. So that that's a, an opportunity for me, which wasn't available to you back then in 2009. So that's why you were having to, to do it the way you were doing it back then. No question. Um, mm-hmm. So – after after you did that for a while, I guess mm-hmm. through 2011, what changed after 2011 for your business? So what we saw uh, at the end of 2011, might have been 12, was again that the market changed, right? And, and we can say this because we were always in the market. I looked at the real estate, the MLS, every day, right? Just a just a just online, right? Some, found some agent looked looked at the MLS. And what, what we saw was, I'll call them hedge funds. I don't know who they were. They could have been big money guys. They just came in and started buying everything right out of the MLS. Mm -hmm. So where I was finding diamonds everywhere, um, it changed almost overnight um, where we would get three or four phone calls a month, right? Hey, help me with this deal. It it just completely evaporated. And, you know, suddenly prices started going up. Supply started to dry up. And lo and behold, real estate suddenly was a positive thing, right? There was a five-year period where every article I read, real estate was negative. And now it's it's been a couple of years and, and real estate's been appreciating and in some markets is above where it was in 2005, 2006. So um, it, it's funny how momentum and and opinions can uh, drive behavior. So something I watch. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I've seen that even, you know, I have not been in, in real estate as long as you have, but I've even seen that where um, articles and certain people with uh that sit in certain positions they can they can persuade people to have this opinion about what's happening in their market or or what strategies they should be using um just based off of you know one or a couple of people's opinions so it is Mm -hmm. it's funny how that that kind of works that way so in those years from like 2012 to today or or until the moment when you retired Mm-hmm. Um, were you guys still able to source deals from the MLS or did you have to find them another way? Yeah, we've only sourced, it's, it's probably, it's probably sad on my part probably, but in, in reality of all the transactions we've done, we've only sourced two transactions, not via the MLS, right? We've never done mailers. We've never done, uh, any other thing. So just to, just so it's, People don't think I'm hiding anything. During the peak of the distress, I bought one property off an auction site online, just was the highest bidder in one, right? Just like eBay. Uh, and then second, I was fixing a 10-unit building that I bought via the MLS when the owner or the bank, excuse me, of the, the that owned the one next door that also foreclosed came over and said, do you want mine? And I'm like, of course. Why wouldn't I? Um you know, so those are two that I haven't bought via the MLS, but everything else been via the MLS. Even today, uh, I've made—I think I made three offers this morning, um, 
and all of them are via the MLS. So you're the man that retired from buying properties off the MLS. It does happen. I know it's kind of boring. <laughs> that honestly, I, I know you keep saying it's boring, but there's nothing boring about that to, to someone like me. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away that you've been able to do that. I mean that because so many people tell you, you can't find deals on the MLS, but well, yeah, but they, the key, but they yeah. do it. They're there. I mean, yeah, they are. You just have to be readily available and, and always searching and finding them. I mean, I, I buy deals off the MLS all day, every day. I mean, like yeah. you said, I mean, I, I literally have a position in my company, which all that person does is search for deals on the MLS. There That's you all go. That's she does. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's about sticking to your criteria and mm -hmm. making sure that it hits those numbers. It doesn't matter where you find the deal. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, people that tell me that all the time, I, I get sent emails and, and stuff like that where they're like, we're looking for good deals and it doesn't, <laughs> it can't be off the MLS. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, why turn it down? I don't get it. I, I right. just don't understand it. Is it. So you want, you want to find something that has equity after you rehab it and it cash flows. As long as it didn't come from the MLS. Okay, fine. I'll take the ones off the MLS then. You can have the other yeah, ones. Don't look there. I'll look there. Yes. Less right. competition, better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so I, I guess at, at this point in time, you, you have 175 units. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct, yeah. And and how many of those are single-family homes? Uh, I, it would be. It's going to be an estimate. It will be close. I, I would think we own 30, somewhere between 35 and 40 single family homes we probably own half a dozen duplexes couple of tries and then the rest are what you would call small commercials awesome so what for someone who only invest in single family what's the <laughs> biggest difference between single family and trying to go into that multi-family commercial mm -hmm. what is something that you can give the listeners a, a bit of advice on how to transition to that um, that's a great question. So I think there's a couple of things you just should appreciate ahead of time. First and foremost, the art of putting a deal together doesn't change. Okay. Whether you're negotiating a single family home or an 18 unit building, it's all the same stuff, man. So if you're good at negotiating with sellers and talking to them and doing inspections and all that stuff, it's all the same stuff from a buying perspective. Absolutely the same. The lending perspective is different and frankly better. Uh, and it's frankly what saved us during the crash. So I, t I shared with you earlier how we 1031'd everything uh, right. out of houses into apartments. But what saved our bacon was um, we had to put commercial financing on those. And commercial financing is you're no longer treated as the buyer, right? When you buy a one through four, the bank's evaluating you. When you buy five and above, they're evaluating the building. So you have to put real down payments, right? So that just to use the example earlier, right? We sold that house, that first one we bought for 263. I'm sure the buyer came in and put less than 5% down, right? They just had funny financing from Countrywide or some other lender right? and, and it, it went through. But when I bought that, I bought that five unit building for 223, $40,000 less I had to come in with 40% financing, right? 40% of the purchase price. So I was protected and the bank was protected, right? So the commercial market is real loans. 
Um, and then the paperwork's probably twice as much. Um, so that's, that's one difference to appreciate. You're not going to come in and do most commercial buildings and do the whole, you know, five or 10% down. That's not going to happen. Uh, and that's why I like the 1031 idea. And, and to your earlier question, I fully expected 1031 out of some of these houses we bought into more units o over the next year or two, because it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then the, the other thing to appreciate is after you own it, um, commercial buildings have higher turnover. They have more expenses, right? You suddenly own the water and gardens and, you know, so your expense calculations are a little different than a house, right? When a house you you can, the tenant pays utilities and all the water and all that, at least in most markets, I think. When you own an apartment building, suddenly that big greenery, that, that green <laughs> belt, you got to, you have to mow and you have right. to water. It's like, oh my God, that stuff's expensive. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's probably, I guess, uh, that's, that's where I'd start. That's the difference. Gotcha. So my next question is, for someone who built this for mm. 15 years while working a full-time job, mm. For other people that are kind of in similar situations, how did you manage building the portfolio? Did you hire a property management company? How did you manage the books and, and all of those types of things while working a full-time job? Yeah, so first and foremost, if you're going to do this and work a full-time job, you have to get very clear on what your competitive advantage is. What, what's the thing you're going to do? So I had two things that I was uniquely good at or I uniquely wanted to own. I wanted to source capital, right, income from my job or, or whatever, and I wanted to find deals. I didn't want to be dependent on anybody else. Outside of that, I outsourced everything. So we had a property manager from day one, right? We owned a single house, and we had a property manager and paid him 10%. It's just because I didn't want to deal with the hassle. I didn't want to run credit. I didn't want to you – know, any of those things. Right. I wanted to be solely focused on finding deals and securing capital. And frankly, we're still that way today. We do, we did for, and actually still do, we did do our books every month, um, but that's just because we're, we're accountants and that's kind of numbers things. And, and um, But we do uh, manage or, or at least run checks and balances against the, the books, right? Money's money and, and we, wanna, we wanna make sure our money's being used wisely and there's no funny business going on. But Right. We, we never managed anything, never ran a credit check, never painted a building, none of that stuff. Gotcha. So, and that's very interesting. I mean, if you look at this, I mean, you've basically broken it down for our listeners who, who sometimes look at this. And, and I get it all the time from people where they say it's impossible for me to achieve this kind of financial freedom. But, I mean, you've worked a full-time job. Mm-hmm. You found the deals off the MLS mm -hmm. and you found a way to retire yourself doing this. Mm -hmm. And really the only thing that you did was find a, find the capital to buy them mm -hmm. and find the deals. I was in all reality. I mean, most people, when they think about becoming a real estate investor, they want to find the deals because that's kind of the fun part, right? I mean, <laughs> you want, it you is. want to find the deal. Um, I mean, yeah. that's kind of what being the investor is, is finding the deal. So, no um, you, you really broke it down to where it, it seems so simple. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it was over the course of 15 years and, yeah. and there's so many people that sit there and, and they don't think to themselves that, Hey, in 15 years, I could retire if I just start doing it this way. I mean, you started with one mm -hmm. and you slowly built it up. 
Um, that's very impressive. I mean, uh, congratulations to you and your wife on, on you know, being able to achieve that. Um, I always like to ask people, mm-hmm. um, what is their why? Um, <laughs> wh- why did why did you feel this was the path that you should take? And yeah, I mean, you essentially at, at some point in time kind of had to work two jobs. I mean, you had your full time job, and oh, then yeah. you were also being a real estate investor. So. What was the driving force behind wanting to do this? Well, so first and foremost, I applaud you for asking that question because that's when I talk to new investors, that's typically what I want, where I start. Um, so my why was really just a burning desire, really almost, I call it being desperate. I, I grew up in a, a family situation where money was um, not plentiful. Uh, many experiences that uh, were that still sort of stick with me to this day where money was the problem, right, the missing thing. Uh, and I never wanted to be there. Um, so, I mean, I can still close my eyes and, and feel that. So that's that's a why that I still have today and, and why I'm still looking to grow this. Uh, but it was the ability to do what I want, when I want, anytime I want. And, and it was more than just the words, right? Um, so that's why I, that's why I, I was up at 6 a.m. every day looking at the MLS, right, for 15 years straight. And I'm still doing it today, right? Even though I'm financially free and don't have to do it, I'm still up at 6 a.m. without an alarm clock because I spend the first two hours of my day looking for deals and following up on things and, and doing that kind of work, right? So it takes focus and diligence and effort. And, you know, that's where I think a lot of people fall down is they get all excited, right? They're almost bouncing around the room with the excitement. But as soon as it gets hard or, you know, it gets in the way of something else, they like fall apart, uh, and then the other thing I, I think I, I want the other listeners to realize is for the first 10 years, I'll have to admit, I wasn't sure this was going to work out. Sure, I knew my net worth was going to be better, right? There's no question after 10 years, you could see your net worth being improved. Right. But after 10 years, it was like, well, you know, maybe we covered our mortgage payment on our house, but I can't retire that way. I got all of this other stuff I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was those final five years and, and sacrifice and we never took a dollar out of our real estate business and did anything except buy more real estate we didn't buy fancy cars didn't take vacations we sacrificed like crazy uh, because we were committed to this and then those final five years and we just it just exploded right so it turned from a trickle to a stream to oh my god we're we're done so um that's where i think a lot of people you know they they're in it for three years and like why can't i retire i'm like this is not a get rich quick Who, who lied to you and told you you'd be done in three years right Right. Uh, I, I I took every penny and then some for 15 years and, you know, it took us that long. So I think you can do it in three is insulting to me. So <laughs> that's funny. So now that you're retired mm. and you are financially free, yep. where do you want to be five years from now? Uh, that's a great question. And, and, and I'm now what, what am I? two and a half weeks being retired. I, I am thinking about that and maybe I'll, maybe we'll have another call in a couple of weeks when I have that answer, RJ. But right now I can tell you what I want to do this year in 2018. First and foremost, I'm trying to help a thousand people start uh, real estate investing or at least get interested. And I'm doing that via my uh, YouTube channel called One Rental at a Time. It's basically this story that you've just heard in little three to five minute videos. Um, and I'm using the subscriber functionality of YouTube to, to track. I think we had 36 people as of this morning. Um, so I'm trying to get that to 1,000. That's goal number one. Goal number two is 
Um, I believe flipping is a full-time job and, and never did it because I already had a couple, as you pointed out. Uh, right. But I've found deals over the years that would have been great flips. So I'm going to try to flip two to four properties this year because guess what? I don't have my daytime job. So I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, and then second, I am actually getting my real estate license um, because I want to help more and more people who do have full-time jobs, at least in the Fresno area, start that. Uh, ultimately, my goal is not to be a real estate salesperson. Ultimately, it's to open a brokerage aimed at investors. Uh, I have found that there's lots of great real estate agents, but they're they're mainly focused on owner-occupants. And my goal, because I can have my own goals now, is to open eventually a brokerage uh, you know, at least a 90, if not 95% focused on investors. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do this year. Where do I want to be in five years? I, I, if I made up anything today, I'd be lying to you. And, and if you, you watch my videos, I don't do that. So I, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do in 2018. Hey, that's fine. That sounds like a, a great goal. So a thousand people this year, you want to help get started mm -hmm. in real estate investing. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put a link to your YouTube channel in the Thank show you. notes for people to subscribe to that. Um, that's an awesome, awesome goal, man. I mean, that's that's why I do this podcast is to try to spread the word to people. Mm -hmm. um, I, every time somebody tells me that, you know, hey, I listened to an episode and, and man, it, it changed the way I thought or it, it made me get started in the business, uh, nothing makes me feel better than that. So I, I love hearing that feedback and, Amen. And thank you for, for starting that and, and having that as a goal for this year. Um, because like I said, I mean, your story is incredible. Uh, the fact that you've broken it down so simple to someone who worked a full-time job, bought deals off the MLS and found financial freedom. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a story to be told. Very cool. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Um, like I said, I'm going to put uh, your YouTube channel um, a link in the show notes, and maybe we'll get you some subscribers on there. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, Any, anything else you have for the listeners? No, just just realize that real estate investing can get you there. It, uh, it may start slow, but um, it absolutely is possible. Don't give up. Absolutely. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It, there you go. It, it, it's the long drive and, and take massive action. There All you right. go. Thank you, buddy. All right. Take care of yourself. Thanks you again. Soon. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Good stuff, man. Good. Glad that worked out. Thank you very yeah. much. Easy Absolutely. to talk to. <laughs> that was a that was a cool story, man. Uh, congratulations. I, I really do mean that. That's um appreciate that. That's awesome that you and your wife have been able to achieve that. But Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.